This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour, the best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports with you. In my 30th year on radio in the Kansas City area, my 20th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, our shows, as you know, are podcasted around the world. And uh, I get comments and feedback from people every week on the shows and what we're talking about here. You know, I've been in practice in my 40th year as a sports psychologist working with athletes at all levels of competition. I work with youth athletes, professional athletes, Olympic athletes. And the purpose of this show is to help you be happy, do your best, have fun, play your best, enjoy sports. Throughout my career, I've had the privilege to meet a lot of people. Lots of people who've accomplished their goals. A lot of people who've been frustrated because they haven't. And I always like to say, I like to take the quote from my great uncle, Hearst Jacobs. Sports is the greatest theater in the world. Everyone knows their part, but no one knows what will happen. My uncle was the winningest trainer in horse racing history when he died in 1970. Won 3,596 races in his career. And he lost almost 20,000. So he knew about winning and losing. He was a big role model in my life, teaching me some things when I would go back to New York to visit relatives and I would stay with him in my Aunt Ethel, their house, and he took me to the track several times. And I got to see how he worked with the horses, the jockeys, the grooms, the people. He was a coach, coached horses, but he coached people too because when you have a racehorse, there's a whole group of people involved. You know, sports is about that. It's about a team of people. It's not just one person. One person may be out there playing tennis or golf, but they've got a support system. They've got coaches. They've got people who reinforce what they do. And throughout my career, I've had the privilege to meet and talk with a lot of people. And because I do this show, I get exposure to a lot of interesting people who I ordinarily wouldn't meet. A few weeks ago, I got a phone call from an individual named Herb Stinson. He was commenting on one of the shows that we did about what coach left an impact on you. And uh, it was a very interesting call. So we decided to talk to Herb and found out he's one heck of an interesting guy. He's in the New Mexico State Hall of Fame. He's coached for 47 years. His resume goes on and on and on because this man has got it together. And he's agreed to join us today on the show. Herb, good morning. How are you doing? Uh, good morning. Doing great. Doing great. It's been a, been a great week and uh, an enjoyable week for, for Aztec Wrestling up here in the Four Corners. And, uh, uh, we look forward to even more. Well, tell us tell us about what's happened. First of all, you're a wrestling coach. Right? I mean, you're talking about coaching wrestling. So tell us what's happened because obviously wrestling normally is in the winter, but 
down in New Mexico because of COVID, it's changed. So what, what what's gone on down there with your coaching in the last few, few days? Well, it's 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 obvious that COVID has uh, managed to uh, readjust everything we do in our life, and uh, from from the aspect of a, a high school teacher, high school coach, uh, it uh, it put the season on hold. Uh, in fact, to a point where a lot of kids gave up on it, and uh, but we were able to. Uh, um, through the help of some uh, administrators uh, at our upper level, uh, Scott Owens of the Activity Association, and uh, we were able to have a season. Uh, it was a delayed season. It was a shorter season. Uh, normally we go, you know, about three, three and a half months, so we end up with eight weeks, but we're very appreciative of the fact that we had a state tournament and, and a season, and we just wound it up this week. And you coach both boys and girls. Yeah, the girls section is a relatively new thing. Of course, you know it's it's a new thing across the country. It's a it's a, it's on fire right now. Uh, new Mexico's been uh, toying with it for for some time, but uh, uh, realistically, it's this is a the second year of actual competition for the girls. We had a few years of uh, uh, working on it. Uh, and having a display of it, and then now it's it's in full bore. So we're excited for for the young ladies because across the country, colleges are picking up that sport also. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this morning our guest is Herb Stinson. He's coached for 47 years in New Mexico and Colorado. He's coached a number of sports, specifically wrestling and football. And Herb, 47 years of coaching, and now you're seeing girls getting into wrestling. Was that something 20 years ago you would have ever imagined? Oh, definitely not. I was I wasn't kind of a dinosaur about it didn't really want it to happen you know i didn't think it why should not be that. why not uh, uh basically because back in those days it was girl on guys and guys had to they had to wrestle against guys and uh, I, I didn't really phantom that real well and then a young lady named bella wells here i don't know about six years ago entered into our program and uh, uh she just changed my whole life on how girls should wrestle why? What What happened? Well, she said, you're not going to take it any easier on me than the guys. And I said, no, I won't. And we didn't. And she had such a huge, successful uh, wrestling abilities against boys. Uh, and then when she got to only have to be go against girls, she was tremendously successful. And now she's going on to become an engineer. And, uh, you know, the future for her is bright. And that's what it's all about to me. Uh, it's about what happens to them after they leave us. You've coached all these years. Uh, tell us about how you got into it. Well, that's uh, that's a very interesting journey for me as well. Uh, my mother is full-blooded Japanese. Uh, my father met her during the end of the war and occupation and uh, uh, brought her to the United States. Uh, she's Her side of the family is samurai, so you know they were quite wealthy prior to the war. And then, of course, the war took things away, which is justifiable, and uh, brought her over here to the United States, and uh, I, I had to have some kind of an outlet, being a uh, half-Japanese young man during that time period of the early 50s, and uh, sports was an important outlet for me to uh, to give me that um, edge I felt like I needed to have, because some people didn't quite understand uh, uh, the Japanese culture at that time because the way they were during the war. And so, uh, you know, sports entered into my life. It's funny because football was my drive. Uh, you could actually hit people and get away with it. And uh, uh, 
had a high school wrestling coach named Jerry Parker, who was also the football coach, and he was also the, the hometown hero, uh, two-time state champion. Uh, New Mexico had just started wrestling back then, and he was the big football player. I say big. He was actually only uh, 120 pounds, and he kept saying, during football season, you need to come out for wrestling. And I, no, I'm a football player. You don't cut weight. I don't cut weight. I, I try to put on weight. Well, I never got any bigger than 145 pounds, so the weight was never an issue. So about my sophomore year, I said, Coach, if you quit hounding me, I'll come out. Greatest move I ever made. Uh, it was that sophomore year that I decided I would become a coach and a teacher. What Before we go to our break here, Herb, in a minute, what, what was the determining factor that, that made you decide to become a coach? The determining factor was the love and the drive that Jerry Parker had, and I wanted that. And, uh, so you picked and up you picked like up in his enthusiasm the the fact that he cared and and that transferred to you oh, and that's yes. that's become something you've done. Most definitely, most definitely. As a, as a young coach, you don't really feel that way. You feel like you're uh, still competing all the time. Uh, but as a coach, that's uh, let's say the word seasoned out. Uh, the competition, the drive to win is still there, but the drive for success for the, the student, the athlete, the kids later in life is far more important. My guest this morning is Herb Stinson. He's in the New Mexico Hall of Fame. He's coached for 47 years. He's coached dozens of state champions. We're talking about his career. We'll come back from our break here in a few moments. I'm going to talk to, I want to talk with Herb today about how sports has changed, about pressure, about preparation, about parents. We're going to get into all this this morning. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're here every week talking about the mental side of sports. Hope you enjoy the show. My guest today, as I said, is Herb Stinson, Hall of Fame coach in the state of New Mexico. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. Our topic today, access to capital in communities of color, especially the African-American community. And now J.P. Morgan Chase has made a commitment of $30 billion to help bridge this wealth gap. But no matter how you cut it, no matter how you look at it, it appears it's a staggering challenge. There is still significant resistance, and I think sometimes people forget the role of African-Americans in our capitalist system was to actually be the capital, something that was bred and bartered. And that is a tough starting point to try to catch up and to have any parity in the 21st century. For more, watch State of Play TV Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 central on the Black News Channel or go to State of Play TV on YouTube. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development 
Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. And I'm having a fascinating interview this morning. I'm talking with Herb Stinson. He's a Hall of Fame coach from the state of New Mexico. And Herb, how many state champions have you coached? Uh, State champions? I would have to say that uh, 79. 79. Yeah. 79, yeah. You know, you've got to understand that uh, in my last nine years, I've been the head varsity assistant to uh, to a man that was my assistant coach when I was back at Aztec after I had left for a while. And so it's uh, it's been an interesting uh, uh, drive back at Aztec for me. Let me ask you a question. Uh, well, obviously I'm asking a lot of questions, but let me ask you this one. about. Let's talk about parents. Okay, I, I I feel that sports obviously has exploded in the youth youth area in the last ten years, and I had a, a guest on a few weeks ago who said the youth sports world has grown dramatically financially to the point that in twenty twenty five it'll be a seventy seven billion dollar industry, and we're seeing. You know, youth sports now starting leagues at younger and younger ages, 
competition. I, I, I mean, I think sports is great. I think everybody should practice, you know, should play and do stuff. But should we start competitions at younger and younger ages? Do you think that's healthy or not? I, I've seen the whole gamut, and uh, it's money driven. Uh, I used to always say that uh, wrestling was a poor man's sport. Uh, you buy a pair of wrestling shoes and a t-shirt and shorts, and you're off and going. And now it's the singlet. It's the competition. It's driving thousand miles to a tournament that costs you sixty to seventy dollars to enter. The motel stays. Uh, it's it's become explosively ridiculous to my to my feelings about it. Uh, everybody's expected to. Uh, be a wrestler only for year round. I, I believe kids ought to be well rounded and play different sports. You, know? you do My okay. Let's 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 talk. Let's talk about that. What do you? Why do you feel that way? And do you feel that sometimes parents drive their kids to just stay in one sport for the hope of getting a scholarship or playing professionally or making the Olympic team or things like that? And and you know exactly uh, with that in mind, there's some outstanding parents. Uh, they want their kids to be successful, of course, and we all want our kids to be successful. But sometimes they they can drive them away from the sport by too much, you know, year in, year out, day in, day out, uh, nothing but one sport in mind. When I think that uh, young people need to have a more leveled lifestyle, and, and that could include other sports at the same time. Well, it can include other activities. I mean, not just sports, well, but definitely. music, debate arts, whatever it might be. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and uh, we've come become a society that's so obsessed with just nothing but win, win, win. It, and it doesn't matter what age it is. And uh, I, I go to these youth tournaments and I watch these kids. They go, they go you know, they're fun to watch and exciting to watch. But, uh, you know, the screaming, the yelling, uh, uh, I just send the parents stay outside and just let the kids have fun. Well, you know, Herb, I have a I have a saying. In fact, I just shared it this week with some parents that were in, uh, parents of, of a youth baseball team. Uh, I say every coach should bring a bag of Tootsie Pops or Lollipops to a game, hand them out to the parents before the game, and say, suck on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might not be a bad idea. Why, well, why, well uh, why do you agree with that? Uh, I think too many parents live... Uh, through their kids, vicariously is that the right word? Through their kids, yes, sir, yes, sir. And why? And why do you think that is, Herb? From your perspective, why? Some of us because they didn't have the success they felt like they should have had, so they're going to they're going to have it through their kid, and that's not what it's about. It's about the kid and the kid's development, and they can harm them as, as much as help them uh, along the way. My guest this morning is Herb Stinson. He's a Hall of Fame coach in the state of New Mexico. He's coached for 47 years. You said, what would you say, 79 state champions? Is that what you told me, individual state champions? Yeah, yeah. Why not 80? I mean, why stop at 79? Uh, I'm not done. I've got four more years. <laughs> okay. Um, so you've seen parents change in the sense of the, the winning, the drive, the goals, the, the, the materialistic goals of – getting somewhere it has become more prominent are you seeing kids burning out at younger ages now i am uh, you know in the 90s when we won 11 straight state championships uh, we had 60 kids in the room no swing forward of course COVID created a problem and we lost uh, kids because of it 
but if we can reach the number of 30, 35, we've got a good room. And so, uh, and some of that's because kids are specializing. You know, I'm a football player 365 days a year, or or I'm a baseball player 365 days a year, and so uh, they don't have that blend that they had before. And I think the fun, you know, Herb, this is my perspective. With the 40 years I've been doing this, and, and I'm 66, so I'm just a couple years younger than you, but I, I've seen the, you know, the pressure to win, the pressure to, to you know, succeed at younger and younger ages becoming more pronounced, and, and the emphasis on just enjoying it, having fun, growing and learning falls to the wayside. And I think that pressure causes I, – I, I get kids, you know, I get kids in my office now at 11 and 12 years of age her burned out on their sport because they've been doing since they were four or five. They don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And uh, uh, from, from my experience, um, uh, a lot of these kids become problems uh, for themselves. They develop bad habits, and uh, that's the thing that just drives me crazy. If they just back off of them a little bit and let them have a little bit of fun, they'd have a kid that would... Uh, uh, Finish high school, for example, let alone finish a sport. So let's let's talk about that word fun, okay? You've mentioned it several times. I talk about it all the time on this show. Um, how do we make youth sports more fun and less pressure-packed for kids? Oh, I think some of us take the awards away. You know, you don't need an award for every time you step out on the mat or step out on the diamond or whatever ever sports you're doing i think you just need to have uh, to develop a work ethics and uh, understand what sports is all about and uh, and the entitlement that uh, kids think they need to get we have a sign we, we we just built a new complex i i got a group of men together and they all had wrestled most of them had wrestled for me and we built a uh, $465,000 100 by 50 wrestling room with a a lobby in it and before you enter into the room, it says entitlement stays out here. Work begins inside. And uh, the whole idea there is to let them understand that you get out of life what you put into it, and you you are the person that puts it in. You know, I love what you're saying. This is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today. I, I really enjoy what we're talking about here. We come back from our next break. We're going to talk about expectations, that word, because I think that – the more I work with people, that word pops in more and more about the pressure people feel. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Herb Stinson. He's a Hall of Fame wrestling coach from the state of New Mexico. He's in, in their Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame person based on just everything we're talking about. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports 
If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. (laughs) Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is Herb Stinson. As I've mentioned, he's a Hall of Fame wrestling coach from the state of New Mexico. He's coached for 47 years. He's coached 79 state champions. And we're having a fascinating interview with Herb this morning. So let me ask this question, Herb. Um, you've seen sport change. You've seen the emphasis, and you're agreeing with me, we're putting more and more pressure on younger and younger kids now. The, the word expectations, do you see the expectations of not just the parents but the athletes change now in terms of 
goals and winning and all that type of stuff? Um, I think that expectations have always been there. I mean, you know, we always expect people to be successful or kids to be successful, coaches to be successful, programs to be successful, schools to be successful. But I think it has exploded a little bit more, and and we've lost what the fundamental is all about. To me, and what, what, and what should tried, that what should that be? What should that main, main well, focus? It's be? about it's about improving. It's not about winning. And our emphasis here at Aztec is that we want to improve a little bit every day. And at the end of the year, that little bit becomes three feet wide. And uh, so our expectations are built on that. A kid walks into the room. He's not expected to win a state championship that year, but maybe two and three years of down the road, he will be winning a state championship, or he will be a catalyst or somebody that we can depend on to help score for the team. Wrestling is so unique in the fact that it's an individual sport with team pride. In our case, it's an individual sport with school pride. And uh, the expectation's there, but it's all in how the coach pushes it out there to him expectations by parents are probably far greater than the coach that is doing his job the proper way. All right, so let me let me let me throw this out at you then. Um I'm a big advocate for a team meeting at the beginning of the season where a coach sits down with the parents and the athletes and gives a presentation on, you know, the here's our season schedule, here's the practice schedule, all that type of stuff. But also gets into here's my philosophy about success and failure, about winning and losing. Here's my philosophy about communication. Um, do you do that? And how do you handle all that with the parents? Well, that's, that's an interesting thing because I can tell you 20 years ago, every parent will be there. If you come forward, you may have four or five parents now at that meeting. Why? It's just it, because they, they, they expect it to be done. They don't want to hear about it. They expect it to be done. And so uh, they, they got busy lives. You know, most parents are working two jobs. Uh, they just, you know, they're not there like they used to be for so, that aspect of it. So then as a coach, how do you deal with parents? Because I mentioned earlier about, you know, coaches giving the, the Tootsie Pops to parents before a competition. One of the things that I see from a lot of people is is the pressure kids feel from letting their parents down. And so as a coach, how do you deal with parents at, at a high school level? Okay, because... I've heard the gamut in terms of how coaches deal with parents. I hear of some coaches that refuse to speak to parents at all. I hear some some coaches who have a total open door policy. What's yours, and how do you what do you feel the best way to do that is? Well, mine's an open door policy totally, but I will make it a point during a dual meet to go meet parents before before the meet after the meet at the awards banquet at the end of the year. I make it a point to touch and talk to every parent. It's there because sometimes that's the only time you really get the connection that you need to have with them and uh, try to get them as involved as much as you can with the total program, not with just their, their kid. Do you ever get parents who get extra demanding with you? I'm sure in 47 yeah, years you've yeah, had, you've had yeah. that before. You're gonna you're gonna run into that parent, of course. And, and the reason you run into that parent is that parent has already put so much money into their kid; they expect nothing but win, win, win out of them. And uh, so, what do you do? What do you do about that, or how do you handle that? Uh, same thing. I treat them the same way. Uh, you know, I just talk to them. 
explain to them what the program is doing, what we're trying to accomplish, and that our end goal is down the road. Uh, it's not this week. It's not today. It's it's going to happen for them. If that if if their kid or the young person is is willing to put in that time that's expected of them. So that brings up this word in my mind as I'm listening to you talk here: the word sportsmanship. I'm a obviously if anybody listens to this show, they know I talk about it all the time. I co-wrote a book with Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame pitcher Jeff Montgomery and USA Swimming Hall of Fame coach Pete Malone called Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes to Reuse Sports. Sportsmanship to me is a necessity. And I don't, you know, I see it talked about a lot more today, but I also see examples of poor sportsmanship displayed a lot. So what's your perspective on sportsmanship? Where do you feel that word goes and what's going on with that? Well, I feel like sportsmanship is something that formulates what kind of person you're going to be after you've you've left the sport. And it's probably one of the, the key things for a good coach to work on. And and by working on it, I think a coach has to display it as much or more than the parents or the kids do. I mean, the way your manner is and the way you dress, the, the way you act, the way you talk, uh, the way you holler, uh, these things all uh, build into the, to this idea of sportsmanship. But I tell our kids, win or lose, we're going to walk off the mat with our head up. We're going to shake a hand. Of course, COVID created a little bit of problem there, but uh, we'll get back to that this next year and and uh, dust ourselves off. And we're going to go back to work because that's what it's about. You mentioned yelling. Okay. Um, I know at wrestling competitions, you know, everyone's yelling and screaming. Where does that become unhealthy? I think when it's uh, anti-productive yelling, I think that encouragement yelling is okay. I think that uh, uh, when a coach is yelling about uh, a bad move after the move has already been made, <laughs> he's not gaining anything. Uh, maybe he, should, he could be uh, instructing. I don't like to use the word yelling. Uh, and uh, what what should you know the young person be doing next to help themselves to be more successful? Okay, along those lines, then when you've got parents trying to coach the kids during a match, you're out there coaching, but the dad is out there trying to coach. How do you handle that situation? During the week, I say you tune in to only one person or two people, and that's your coaches. Well, you tell uh, the kids that, but do you say anything to the parents? No, no you're not going to win that battle. So, what if you've got a dad? No, but let me ask. But, but what if you what if you've got a, you're coaching a certain way, and then the dad during the match is telling the the young man or young lady to do it differently? Do you ever say anything to them? Uh, if I have to, I will. But I'll be honest with you, I don't really remember that many situations like that over the years. And I think the, the, the thing that helps is, you know, parents aren't allowed down there on the mat. Now, in the youth wrestling, it is a problem. But in the, the high school wrestling, we don't have quite that kind of a problem. Right, but in the, the youth, but in the youth level, what would you say to coaches when that problem's going on? To coaches? Yes, sir. I would say to them that uh, you probably ought to have a little bit of a talk with your parents and, and in that case, in youth wrestling, parents show up to every practice. You can find them to talk to, or you can talk to them in general, all of them, and, and say this is what helps and this is what doesn't help. Yeah. And have you ever had to kick a parent out of a, a competition or a practice? Oh, it's, it's definitely happened. Why? Because they got overboard. You know, and they've gone beyond what's 
that's reasonably right. And then how do you handle that afterwards? What happens afterwards? Uh, you know, I've never really had any repercussions off it, to tell you the truth. Uh, sometimes parents don't ever come back again, which is fine. Uh, I'm just worried about how the young person, you know, in some cases we never may never see the kid again either, especially at the youth area level. But, uh, and, you know, parents will now just up and move their kid to another school. Uh, that happens a lot more than, than it used to. Uh, loyalty from that standpoint has kind of changed a little bit. People uh, a lot more mobile. And, uh, you know, that's from the professionals down. You notice how many professionals are shifting teams all the time now just because they want more money or attention. Okay, when you and I were growing up, there was no such thing as social media. Now it's everywhere. Yeah, uh, How do you feel about that? That's I mean, a, it's a problem. Because? It's, it, it, it's because they're constantly looking at what the other person's doing and who they're wrestling, who they're going to compete against, and how good they are, how good they are. They're measuring themselves before they even get a chance to, to compete against them. And, uh, and then some of the stuff they learn on that is... It's ridiculous. You know, Herb, I'm, I, I'm loving our interview this morning because you're explaining why you've coached for 47 years and why you're in the New Mexico Hall of Fame. My guest this morning is Herb Stinson. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt the status of black women in America. A lot of people say, well, why do you need to talk about it? You've got Kamala Harris, a heartbeat away from the presidency. You've got Stacey Abrams being considered for Nobel Peace Prize. But I think we all know that's not the real deal. African-Americans and particularly women were the vessels by which to keep this human capital going. Uh, during slavery, then you had uh, Jim Crow. And there's a sensitivity on the part of women generally, whatever the race, and then particularly African-American women, to raise the point of, why aren't you talking about me? Why don't you have programs customized uh, to deal with my needs? And so I guess that explains why we're still struggling with it uh, in this year of 2021. For more, watch State of Play, Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 Central, on the Black News Channel. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. 
She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour for our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And today we're having a fascinating interview, or I should say I'm having a fascinating interview, with Herb Stinson, who is a Hall of Fame wrestling coach in the state of New Mexico. He's also coached in Colorado. He's coached many sports, but wrestling seems to be the main thing that Herb has coached over his career. So let me ask this question, Herb. Why do you coach? What do you get out of it? Um, I get out of what happens to them after they leave high school. Uh, the number of doctors, lawyers, teachers, um, military uh, men and, and women now that have become so successful, I can sit back and say, well, this is somebody who was in my room. And uh, this is somebody that is continuing with the, the things that we want uh, we coach that that, that uh, we want young people to emulate and, and become. We use those as examples in our room every day of this is what it's all about. Winning, yeah, we want to win. We all want to win. But what do we want to do 10 years from now? What do we want to be at 20 years from now? Where, where is our success that we want to have later on in life? So let me ask you three definitions. First one is winning. What's your definition of winning? Success in a given amount of time and improvement. It doesn't mean you went out and won the match. It means that you improved and had to put yourself in a position to be to, to be able to win that match. You may not win it, but you put yourself in position for the possibility to win it and uh, not just roll over what we would say. Yeah, my, my definition of winning is did you accomplish your goals that day? It's, yeah, it's not. It's exactly. not. Did you come in first place? Exactly. Everybody likes to come in first place, but did you get better? Did you improve? So I agree with you 100. Exactly. Okay. What What's exactly. your definition of losing? Uh, I don't really think that unless you quit on yourself, you lost. And uh, everybody uh, will lose, and I think that's an important step towards becoming a winner. What do we learn from losing? Uh, we learn not only the mistakes that we possibly make, but maybe I need to change my attitude towards how hard I work towards becoming more successful. So the word perspective comes into play then with, with the word losing, right? Right. Yeah, right. I agree. Yeah, to me, losing is, like you said, quitting, giving up, stopping, not trying anymore. And, and um, right. you know, and, that, and that's where the word respect flies in because I think a lot of people who lose don't, look at respect themselves they they want to no. blame other people or blame situations rather than looking in the mirror and that see that's where to me i'm i'm a big believer in journaling um i believe it, it's extremely helpful for people to keep a, a journal a regular journal about their workouts and practice not just about physically what they did but mentally how they felt you know if you did well in a competition what to do well what what did you do that allowed you to accomplish your goals if you didn't do well what happened there that resulted in you not doing as well? I mean, how do you feel about that? 
I agree with you totally on that. I mean, uh, how you feel after after a hard workout, how you feel after a tough competition, win or lose, is, is a key to how you're going to prepare for the next one or how you're going to end gate the next one. And uh, it's all a learning. And at my, at, at my age group of kids, of, of, of young people, I think that's so important to what they do later on. So important. And realistically, High school sports, youth sports, it's just a blink of the eye as to what's going to happen later on. Well, and that takes us to, to, to this word, self, or two words, self-confidence. What does self-confidence mean to you? Oh, that's, that's everything. If you wake up in the morning very self-confident and ready to take on the world, you're going to be successful. If you wake up in the morning questioning what you're going to do or what you're doing or what job you're doing right now, you're going to have a tough, long day. And, uh uh, life's tough enough without making it even tougher. As a as so, a as a coach, how do you destroy a young person's confidence, and how do you build it up? Oh yeah, it's very easy to destroy anybody, and it's it's every time you say you 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 instead of we we we, we're going to do this together, and you're going to be part of it, and it's a journey that we're going to work together, and uh, we're going to become successful together on it. But can you, as a coach, not you specifically, because obviously that's not the case with you, but as a coach, can't you really destroy or harm a kid's self-confidence oh, by the oh. by what you say and how you act towards them? Most definitely. I think those coaches that, let's use that word again, vicariously wrestle every match to their kids, their wrestlers, uh, male or female, are going to end up destroying a kid if they don't be careful because then it's all about them and not about the kid yeah well that validates another saying i have a good coach checks his or her ego at the door it's not about the coach it's about the athletes yes definitely so and 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 grant you 45 years ago 40 years ago i had that probably ego problem i know i had that ego problem every young coach goes through that they don't come out of college or come out of school or come out of whatever learning that, hey, man, it's all about the kid, they, they kind of come out with a little different attitude because they've been in a competitive mode. And so they have to learn to understand if you emphasize what you want as a product and de-emphasize what you want for yourself, great things will happen for yourself. You know, if you start work, use, you know, if you start coaching with passion and you be more humble and be more grateful, as a society, we are, we'll be far better off than we are now. Do you see – I mean, I've talked about this on this show. I feel we've got a big problem in this country with respect. And do you feel that respect has gone out the window in a lot of cases? Um, I think it's earned. Um, I think a coach can earn respect. I've, I've always said as long as kids are listening to me and still respect me, I'll continue to coach. And uh, – uh, I'm willing to put in the time to earn that respect from the kid. Now, do I teach the kid respect? Yes. I, I feel like kids need to know and understand. Yeah, yeah, your parents are still your parents, good, bad, or whatever. And, and you have to show them a certain amount of respect because some of them are growing up way too fast. And a lot of it has because of that social media that they have in their power of their hand. And uh, so I try to bring them back down to earth as much as I can. So it's all about, you know, what I'm picking up her from you today, your Hall of Fame coaching career has a lot to do with communication. And it sounds like well, yeah. good. And I never would have, I would have never got to those 
those those things that you're talking about had it not been for good people that helped me get there. Right. It, it, it's not a, it's not about you. It's about about the team. Oh yeah, definitely. What's the the greatest thing as we wrap up our interview today? What is the greatest thing you've learned as a coach about yourself? Oh, I can be a lot more caring, a lot more giving, a lot more understanding. Uh, there's a thin line in there where discipline has to be still established. You know, we live in Aztec off the four D's, you know, uh, desire, determination, dedication. And it used to be only three D's. And then I added a discipline to it here about uh, 10 years ago. And I think uh, those four aspects can help you to achieve goals as long as you understand what each one of them stands for and always remember that discipline in our life makes us successful. When you first called and uh, left me a voice message a few weeks ago, it was about the coach that impacted you. As we wrap things up, tell us about that coach and, and what impact well, that's had on you as a, as, as a coach well, yourself. Well, you know, you know I, 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 I like to talk about the main one at the very end, but, you know, I was blessed with good high school sport uh, coaches. Uh, my football coach, Marty Steffen, uh, my track coach, Penny McKnight, the late Penny McKnight, even my college coach, uh, Joe Lepore, uh, they were all what I felt like leaders of men. But, but Jerry Parker, uh, he would literally take you under your wing and he would he would show you the direction that he felt like you needed to go, and he'd make sure you understood it each and every day. And uh, because of his driving, and, and he's passed on me, but because of his driving, uh, I feel like uh, I've learned what it takes to be passionate and understanding, and learn that it's about the kid, not just about yourself. Well, Herb, this has been a tremendous interview with you today. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to join us. If people would like to get a hold of you, how can they reach you? Oh, they can uh, they can reach out. Uh, you know, my my uh, uh, email is herb underscore Stinson at Hotmail, and I'm always willing to reach out and talk and uh, open up about what I feel like can be done to make them more successful and help them all down the road with Herb kids. Stinson this has been a tremendous interview I really appreciate the fact you've taken the time to join us today thank you so much you've affected hundreds and hundreds of people and I can tell you will affect a lot more thank you so much for joining us today Herb I appreciate it thank you I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports of course if you want to reach me get a hold of me in my office 816-561-5556 my email is drj at winnersunlimited.com Our shows are podcasted everywhere. Tell people about this interview and have them listen to it. This man knows what he's talking about. Have a great week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. The future of the two-party system. We have the Democrats who always have their challenges. It's a wide tent and therefore a challenging tent but also the Republican Party that seems to be having really acute challenges. We've seen several of their U.S. senators say they're just not even going to seek 
reelection. And then we saw the insurrection on January 6, where I think 147 of them still voted not to respect the electoral vote. It's a challenge when a party rejects Liz Cheney, a challenge when the party rejects their standard bearer, Mitt Romney. Uh, a real challenge is what will be the heart and soul of the Republican Party. It does not bode well for our country. For more, watch State of Play, Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 Central, on the Black News Channel. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy. Or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. 